Shut up and sit down. Well, they say all good things come to an end. What's that got to do with this show? <laughs> nice ride. It's a nice ride. When you're on a nice ride, riding with your best friends. Nice ride. It's a nice time. When you're on a nice ride, riding with your best friends. Oh, I like to ride my bike. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Want to control your destiny? Well, this little green frog once said, life's like a movie, write your own ending. Yeah, I like that. I was thinking this morning, walking and driving is so boring. It doesn't cost much, and there's no gas. It's I tell him that I loved him. Nice ride, it's a nice time. When you're on a nice ride, riding with your best friends. Nice ride, it's a nice time. When you're on a nice ride, riding with your best friends. That was awesome! <laughs> Hi, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Fonder, and I'm here with Lance Epler. Lance Romance coming at you live and in person right here in the Dialed Cycling Lab. Good to have you back in studio, Lance. Thank you. It's like how many weeks in a row now? It's like four weeks in a row, three, I don't know, something like that. That's almost a record. I know. <laughs> I'm ready to leave again, but I'm not. Live on the interwebs, I've got Mr. Matt Legrand with us. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys are looking fan-frickin-tastic today. <laughs> and you we've got a special guest with us today uh, from BB Infinite all the way across the country just about. Uh, Gary. Gary, how are you? I am doing very well. We're not going to do NPR voices. I, I thought we were going to do NPR voices. Go no. for it. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Welcome to hey, I don't have that in me. Studio. <laughs> Gary, pronounce your last name for way, us. Way down here. Yeah. <laughs> Myatt. Myatt. Okay, I didn't want to butcher that. That's why I just went with the Gary, right? <laughs> good call. Oh, go ahead. Everybody does. Gary Except Myatt. Except for French people. BB Infinite. Oh, Gary Myatt Jr., as a matter of fact. Um, so today we are going to uh, kind of run through a bunch of stuff about BB Infinite. We are huge fans over here. We've been using them for, gosh, what, about three or four years now? Yep. Yep. And um, have used Excellent. them to solve a lot of problems and to gain some speed. So we're going to dive into that. I've got a bunch of questions that we're going to run through. Um, before that, though, let's get through our backpedal. Lance, kick us off. I, I, I don't think anybody else really did. Well, Gary, maybe, but I know I didn't do much. So we're just going to go straight, cut to the chase, bring it. I got to race my bike you this sure week. Did. I raced my bike yesterday, which was super fun. Uh, I did a mountain bike race up in the Tacoma, Washington area, a place called Dash Point. There is a race promotion company called Voodoo Racing. I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago because Paige Edwards, our illustrious She's not a junior anymore. No, she's women's U23 elite. Yeah, there you go. Uh, She's been doing some of their races. And so me and uh, Chris Surratt went up to do the race, and it was a mountain bike race on single-track trails. There were – I raced the Cat 2 division, and uh, it it, it went pretty well. (laughs) I saw you won that, Lance. Congrats, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. It wasn't even close, Lance. You beat about like what, like three or four okay. minutes. So like they do it. They did it like time trial style, right? So one person went off every ten seconds, 
and the leaders in the series all went first. So there were seven, there were seven people who started in front of me in 10 second intervals. And you lapped them all or passed them all, I'm guessing. Uh, I, I caught them. I caught the last one about eight minutes into the race. <laughs> you know how demoralizing that? Well, you're, they're probably thinking, unless they're paying attention to the shoot, they're probably thinking, oh, it was just the guy behind me. It was like, oh no, that was guy like seven or eight guys behind me that just <laughs> was way back there. The funniest thing, I've never heard this before. One of the guys saw me, when he saw me afterwards, he's like, when I saw you, I'm like, oh, there's a guy who's tall and skinny and muscular. He's going to be fast. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever been called tall or skinny <laughs> or muscular. So that was kind of fun. Yes, um, it went well. Um, I probably should have raced Cat 1. Um, I haven't raced any Cat 1. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> raced. I ended up winning. the. There were there were roughly 50 people in the Cat 2 division, and I and I won by about five minutes in a in a sounds like tom brady showed up to a a high school football game Uh uh-huh thank you gary it was like a 50 minute race i think i did if i had like i see it if i had raced in the cat one they did three laps i only did two laps i probably would have been close to the top 10 for the whole race and possibly in the top three there were a couple of 50 plus cat one guys who would have smoked me so it it wouldn't have been a given but Anyway, yeah, I caught some sandbagging flack, and it's probably uh, all true, and it's all from the people who love me. So, But it was just super fun to get out there and race. It was COVID-safe. It was time trial style. We, we had a great time. It was just fun to peg my heart rate at for a solid 50 minutes. So that was fun. 49 and change, yeah, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> How about you, Matt? How was your week? Good. Week was solid. Uh, I think I've settled into like a real nice pattern with all the triathlon training. I'm getting like, I'd say, you know, somewhere between, you know, like 10 and 12 activities, all kind of short stuff, but like, you know, getting there, getting some stuff done. I think I'm, I ran like three or four times. A lot of that was like in the snow in the Pacific Northwest. We got just dumped on here, which was awesome uh, because my kids are just, they were starved for snow. Um, all the biking was like Zwift, except for Saturday when I went out on Lance's old mountain bike and, uh, yeah. cruised around at cross country practice. Uh, I coach cross country for those of you guys that don't know in the area. Um, and so having the mountain bike is fantastic for that, you know, cause I can just kind of like pedal around wherever they go. I can go and, uh, I can do workouts with them. I can do whatever I need to do or just go do my own thing, which is kind of what I did on Saturday to kill some time and have some fun. So loving that bike. Uh, swimming a good bit when the pool is open because of the snow, everything was kind of closed, but yeah, great week of training. Um, yeah, I just need to like, you know, get the, get my cankle to come around, get that thing a little (laughs) bit better and hopefully that'll happen by this summer, but we'll see. Very good. Gary, how was your week, man? My week was awesome. (laughs) Little rock is not used to getting 14 inches of snow. Um, that, that is, is extremely wow. unusual. Oh, we got a lot of st- for here. We got a lot of snow. I mean, they just don't have the equipment. So, I mean, we were basically stuck in the house. I, uh, me and a friend of mine, we committed to do uh, a, a six-hour uh, marathon on the trainers. Oh, and uh, no, thank it's you. It's freaking <laughs> brutal. It was just brutal. I, I only did it three hours. I was like, I, I just can't do it anymore. I feel like my soul is dying. You know what I mean? It's just, ah, 
anyway, so that, that was about it, man. I mean, there was nothing going on. I mean, last time I went out when it was really, really icy in Little Rock, I fell down and, 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 and broke my hand. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so I wasn't, so I decided, I decided that I wouldn't tempt fate because I need my hands to work. So excellent. There you go. So, is, All the fun. Does little okay? I've heard of Bentonville as far as like huge mountain bike. It, how yes. close is that? How close is Little Rock to Bentonville? Not close enough. Got it. Not close enough. Close enough. <laughs> no, it's about three hours from here if okay. you drive like a normal person. Yeah. Um, and uh, there are there's places like Silmo. There's some places around here that are that have really. We have some awesome mountain biking trails just out here at something called a Pinnacle, which I'm very lucky enough I can see it from my. Uh, from my kitchen window wow. it's really nice it's, oh, it's wow. the tallest one of the it's the tallest peak around here which was not much i mean yeah but for for where we are it's because we're not even in the ozarks but uh, but anyway they've got they've developed so many trails out here because you know this is uh this is walton country i mean bentonville more so but you know the the walmart people are really uh. really into cycling they yeah they bought high velo <laughs> which is allied cycle works and they moved that all up to bentonville it was down here and uh, you know, Orbea is here, and a lot of people don't realize that. It's um, in Little Rock. Orbea is, yeah, oh, North wow. Little Rock to be exact. It's North, okay. We're actually in North Little Rock, which is a separate city, although it just sounds like we're on the other side of town. So we're in North Little Rock, which is right over the the Arkansas River from from downtown Little Rock. Gotcha. And uh, but anyway, they've done huge development, but they just had all these trails put in at Pinnacle Mountain Bike Trails. It's it's this is a great place to cycle. I mean. I, I couldn't believe it when I got here. I moved here from Florida 10 years ago and um, 5311, baby, Florida, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> oh, dude, you're talking about just group rides. It's like guys just on the front just driving. You know what I mean? In Florida, these like 29 mile an hour, you're like tandem showing up to pace everybody. You're like, oh, God, you know, just <laughs> holding off your life. I showed up here. It's a completely different world. Right. Of cycling, man. It's a completely different world. So anyway, it's great. It's a great town. It's a really great town for cycling. I love, love it. Here. Awesome. Ben- Benville's awesome. Mecca for mountain biking. Everybody needs to come check it out. It's way beyond what you think. Dude, they got Oh, no. <laughs> Looks like we just lost Gary. We just lost Gary for Wait. Oh, oh there, there he is. There he is. Oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, no. Look at this. This is all like turning into a... Oh, wait. Gary, you still there? Uh, we lost his audio. Oh, hold on. Let's, let's Matt, see. can we hear you? Yeah, you guys yep. can hear me just fine. Okay. Hold on. Let's try that one more time, Gary. We're, we're not getting your audio, bud. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm try. guessing his microphone dropped, maybe, from, like, it could be a Bluetooth connection, Bluetooth connection yeah. issue. Gary, why don't you do this? Um, since we are live streaming this on YouTube, I'm going to resend you that link. That will um, that will get you connected back into the show. While we're connecting Gary back on Lance, why don't you do some of that? Uh, Champ Bailey, top five. I think he's in the top five discussion. I mean, I'm not just gonna go out crazy. Hall and of say Famer, top three. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey by Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey, right here <laughs> in the house. Here I am. Yes, there was some uh, racing that happened uh, this last week. The the big race that's going on is the the UAE tour, the tour of the United Arab Emirates. Just I, sick with UAE. UAE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Arab Emirates. <laughs> the Emirates. 
So um, there's been this is Monday. There've, there's been two stages so far. The first stage was riddled with crosswinds. Um, it broke up the peloton into four different echelons. It was actually beautiful looking racing, but very difficult for the for the racers and for the riders. And um, in kind of a not so shock, but still kind of a shock, the first stage was won by Matthew Vanderpool. Go figure. <laughs> so he actually made that front echelon and was cruising in that front echelon and and I, I don't he, he out sprinted a couple of big sprinters, you know, at that in that reduced sprint at the end. And um, it was kind of unbelievable. Um, Chris Froome ended up in the very last echelon. <laughs> And I think Adam Yates did as well. So some of the big names that they were hoping would do well in this race, uh, like lost eight minutes right off the bat. So pretty crazy. And then um, somebody on uh, on Matthew Vanderpool's Alpes and Phoenix team tested positive, and the whole team pulled out of the tour. So he is. I think I don't think he was planning on doing the whole UAE tour anyway because. Uh, he's gearing up for the spring classics and he was trying to, he's trying to get ready for that. So, Hey Lance, I mean, uh, champ, hold on a second. Gary, can you hear us? I can hear you just fine. Oh, hey, he's yeah. back. All right. Perfect. Like we never missed a beat, right? We're perfect. Yeah. Here. Yeah. We Believe it or not, John Cobb, a guy from Cobb cycling was calling me. John oh Cobb. no. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, wow. funny. All right. Cool. Uh, I know. Name dropping. Put a pin, oh, put a pin in that know. second for second champ. I'm going to do my back pedal. Oh, I rode on Zwift please. way too much, and it sucked. All right, that's it. Hey, Moving wait. on. We, we did a team ride. We did do a team we ride. We did do a team ride Which I Swift. had some technical difficulties. Again, there's, there's a quirk in Zwift. There's a problem with the software. The <laughs> Something's firmware happening I'm with I'm the ride log. leader, and it has been freezing my, um, my power numbers. It only happens on Zwift when I'm riding as the, the ride leader for our um, meetup ride. That's the only time that ever happens. Oh, jeez. So here's what it is. Um, I'll, I'm going to send them a... I don't know, service request or something like that. But anyway, moving on. Go back to the the, the news there, Champ Um, So second stage of the UAE Tour was a very short, like, eight-mile time trial, which happened Monday. And big surprise, it was won by Filippa Ghana from Italy. So he is kind of crushing everybody. But uh, Tajay Pogacar, or Pogaccia, also did very well. And he's in the lead. Did I butcher it? Pogaccia. Whatever. You, you, you saved yourself. Okay. <laughs> so... That's basically what's happened in the racing world. Uh, there was another tour, the Tour de Alpes Maritimes de whatever. It's something in France. Nailed it. It's, yep. And um, <laughs> but uh, nothing really struck me from that race that I felt like talking about. Champ Bailey out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Champ. Um, we're gonna jump in some Patreon news, uh, but before we do that, um, I need to add another name to the hat to the, the list what can you go grab the little bucket yep. thing where we do that just wanted to give a little shout out to mr john hatfield who was our latest and greatest patreon we've wow. got wow even, even more patrons um so i th let's just do this rob buck since his name always jumps out of there if you see rob buck his name is now <laughs> john hatfield because i haven't added him to the, the mix yet so um we're gonna do a little bit of a drawing though and for the drawing this week it's gonna be another one of those cask neck buffs and a sierra nevada water bottle so it'll be a nice little drawing um lance is pulling this out right now and drum roll please it is chris surratt chris surratt that would have been uh, nice. awesome if you'd pulled that out last week when he joined us he was on, <laughs> on the podcast. Week. So, Mr. Chris Rat, you get yourself a uh, little 
new uh, neck buff from Cask Helmets, as well as a uh, nice little Sierra Nevada water bottle. I don't want to rub it in at all, but uh, all my laps uh, yesterday in the race were two minutes faster than Chris Surratt's. So, um, I mean, for the two just throw that out there. I'm not going to rub it in. I'm not going to rub it in, but let me let me say this to the whole world. <laughs> wow. Lance, that's actually pretty impressive. He didn't have any technicals or any issues or any problems like that? or No, but but the course was really well suited to me tight corners and yeah and you did adjust his you did adjust his brakes before the race yeah, right? that's right <laughs> i stuck i i stuck something in his uh his derailleur so it wouldn't shift properly no <laughs> that's good yeah awesome um if you are interested in becoming a patreon we've had a bunch of new ones recently which is awesome uh you can go to dialpodcast.com and on that homepage right there you will see a link to patreon you can click on through and pick a patreon that works best for you we appreciate that thank you to everybody who is supporting the show awesome awesome stuff love it Cool. All right. I think that is all of the, the minutiae that is done and out of the way. Am I missing anything? Nope. Let's talk <laughs> bottom brackets. Let's talk bottom brackets and <laughs> all things that make you go faster with uh, with Gary. Gary, dude, tell us, how, yeah, did you, back. How, how did you get into this business? How did you get into, like, making bottom brackets? And, um, and yeah, well, I have, a, <laughs> I have a, a machining background. We've got a little delay going here, but we'll, we'll run with it. Um, I would just have a machining background, uh, but it was all automotive and motorcycles and all that sort of thing. And, uh, but I've always really been big into cycling. Some things happened in my life <laughs> and I, and I ended up, uh, working as a bike mechanic. Um, and, uh, and it was right about the advent of press fit bottom brackets. And I just, I saw the need immediately. And uh, my business partner, Wes Wolfenbarger, he's, um, he's out there running parts right now. So if you guys hear any noise, it's Wes. And uh, running one of the CNC machines. Yeah, I got two of them out there ripping it up right now, uh, making English threaded bottom brackets, believe it or not, uh, even though we're here to talk about press fit, most likely. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we just saw, you know, I, I got this, uh, to keep it even more, uh, I got this Willier uh, Cento Uno SR uh, frame, and it was BB3 to 6 Evo that had just come out. And they sent this huge bag of plastic adapters, and I had this brand new Campy Record Grupo going on. There was a beautiful ultra torque crank right out of the box, um, and and I was like, "No way, dude! That is ridiculous. I'm not putting this in there like that." And I did. I assembled this so I could ride the bike, and it hardly spun. And I was just like, "This is absolute rubbish." And um, it was a big Cervelo dealer that I was working out here in Little Rock and uh, Cannondale, so it, that just fit right in there. We got. Um, we just got adopted basically by the Cervelo people like right away. Cause we were, you know, we featured Cervelos in all of our videos and anyway, so and that's how, that's what happened, man. That was the Genesis of it right there. That was and, how long uh, ago? We how were, long ago was that Gary? Oh, uh, this is 20, uh, 2012. Okay. Yeah. 2012 is when we were, when we were doing that. And, and it was one of these things where we kind of just looked at it and we we're like, dude, let's just make it one piece and just have it all go in from one side. So we went ahead and did that. And it works so incredibly well. I showed it to some people at the shop and uh, had a bunch of dudes, especially on Specialized at the time. They're all OSBB press fit, which is their 40, uh, 46 by 61. Uh, super problematic. Um, not mm -hmm. because of, this is a whole other issue. I would defend Specialized to, to the death. That it was not their fault. It was an implementation issue, not, not a design their frames were made so awesome. They should have never creaked. It, it's a very sad thing. But anyway, they had huge problems. And uh, so we made bottom brackets for that. Did we, we, we sold a just ton of them here locally because everybody was riding on S works. It's just super popular around here. Yeah. And, uh, 
that was it, man. That's the genesis of it. And then we just started um, making a small run, small batch. And uh, next thing you know, we're here, you know, in our facility, making, you know, two CNC machines running every day and shipping out all over the world. Have distribution in UAE, in, um, you know, in Malaysia, Indonesia, um, Hong Kong, Taiwan. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we're real heavy in, in, in Asia. Uh, we got a really, we have a really good presence in, in, in Asia. I just think they like the unique nature of the design of the bottom bracket, and for them, it's just something really different. It's, it's not coming from China or Taiwan, so I think that's interesting. So, cool. And they how, love the performance. How big is your operation there then? Not very. Uh, we only have uh, four employees total. Um, we're all about efficiency. Uh, as a matter of fact, I said they were out on the CNC machines. They're mostly uh, babysitting them and then running the CMM, which is what we do. We take each part after it's run and take it over, and we have a we have a machine that measures it, uh, rather than hand doing it with a you know with a mic and stuff like that, which is how we started out. And um, those are all basically robotic. They they they're self feeding and all that. Um, we just need to keep feeding them material, and um, and we're only we're only uh, four thousand square feet. And we're doing everything out of here. Uh, we have our we have lasers set up, so we do all this, uh, you know, all marking uh, on the products. You'll yeah. see there. Um, we do all that. We do all that here in house. The only thing we don't do is anodize, which we send that out to California. Believe it or not. Yeah. So it's all based in the United States. It's all manufactured in the United States as well. So. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which we're very, we're very passionate about. Um, just because um, the, the the state of the state of affairs in in the United States, we we really need more manufacturing here. Uh, I mean, you that's uh, I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah. I mean, we have a very financialized economy right now. Uh, you know, you go into unfortunately, you go into a lot of schools. My kids go to STEM schools; they're pretty good, but otherwise, you know, a lot of kids are just immediately they're brought in. They're like, you want to have a white collar on and carry a suit you know, a briefcase right. to work and, right. you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm not against that kind of thing, but to, to, to push every kid into that is uh, very detrimental uh, because some kids just don't want to do that. And also we need people in this country that know how to actually manufacture things and do things. I mean, if I try to find a machinist right now, I'm going to get inundated with, <laughs> with emails after this podcast and people probably sending me their credential to be a machinist. <laughs> but, but if you go out and try to find a machinist right now, good luck. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, just to, not that they're all employed. It's just that there aren't any. There are a bunch of old guys that are dying off, and right. there's just no young guys really coming up right now. So it's it's a sad state of affairs. Not to cast a pall over the the, the conversation here, but uh, it's something we really feel passionate about. Uh, and the made in the USA, it only means something if it's a great product. Yes. You you know, just because it's made here doesn't mean it's great. There's plenty of stuff here that's that's crap. You know, that's made here. But um, but we're we love, we love manufacturing here. We had a chance to shift our entire production over to Taiwan years ago. And we were under a lot of pressure to do it uh, because we wanted some, there were two major bicycle manufacturers that wanted to buy our product OE. And they're like, there's no way we could meet the price. They want it for nothing, dude. I mean, I'm not going to say who they are, but it's, yeah. it's all the same way. They just, they, they just want it for absolutely nothing. And they're like, well, you know, they hooked us up with their, you know, their people in Taiwan and their people in China, and we were backing forth, and we had them do some samples for us. And after a while, we're just like, no way, man, our product's gonna suck, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, 
I, kind of like Steve Jobs, you know, when, <laughs> when you see, he's like, yeah, what's, how do you become successful? You just don't make shit. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, part of my language. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's how you do it. So that's why we do what we do. I got a question about the name BB Infinite and kind of the origins of it. Does that mean that your bottom brackets are supposed to last forever? Because I love that plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of that kind of dovetails with the quality aspect of it. And you know, whenever it comes to quality, there's a macro and a micro aspect, and then there's you know layers. And um, the reason we go BB is obvious because you know we're at, at our core. Our core discipline is, of course, bottom brackets. And then the infinite part was the idea that you know our spin. Uh, is going to be, you know, absolutely amazing. So that has a, you know, that, and, but also that the product is serviceable. Okay. That you can, you can service the bearings in the bike. And if the bearings ever go bad, you can remove the bearings and replace them with new bearings. Yeah. Okay. This is extremely important to us because serviceability is something that has died out on too many consumer products. And we've gotten to the point where we just throw stuff away. All right, we need to stop doing that, you know, as a culture, uh, in my opinion. So in order, you know, it's kind of like be the solution. <laughs> right. So um, we want to make a product that somebody can invest in initially and that they can use over and over again. We have even people we have people that have used B, the same BB Infinite bottom bracket in three or four different bikes because, you know, they race crits or whatever and they wreck their bike out and they pull it out and they put it in another bike. We just think that's extremely important. That, uh, that that we all quit making things that are just going to go in a landfill. I, I have a so. I have a cracked frame hanging on my wall, and the reason I haven't tossed it is because there's a bottom bracket in there that I know I'm going to need at some point. <laughs> so it's just going to hang on my wall till I need that bottom bracket. Well, there you go, there you go, man. We can. Uh, <laughs> you need a number for a good guy that that makes uh, that fixes carbon fiber. I can hook you up. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Um, we had a big list of questions for you. Um, I'm just going to jump right, in, right into the first one. What is the best crank combination according to what bottom bracket standard your bike has? So what, what's what's that? I mean, what's your best recommendation there? Well, that's actually that's that's an important question because I think a lot of people uh, build, you know, they build a bike around, you know, whatever. I mean, just off some vague ideas of, oh, I want to run this certain crank in this certain bike. And there's just certain... There's certain cranks that just don't play as well with certain bottom bracket standards as we would like. Okay. We like right here, we have one right here. It's a BB 86 dub and 30 millimeter. Okay. These are, these are world-class. We love this bottom bracket. BB 86 and BB 92 were really developed by Shimano. Okay. If anybody knows Shimano, they're not stupid. So what they did is they basically made a, got together and made a bottom bracket standard that they probably were like, no idiot's going to try to put a 30 millimeter spindle in this thing. I mean, it's more like 41 millimeters in diameter. We're going to make it so it will only work with Shimano cranks and GXP and some others. But, but mostly they probably they just want I, I, they just want to block everybody out. Um, and uh, we outsmarted them by coming up with a 40-30 bearing, which I could talk about. SRAM's using it now. And uh, but if you have a BB86 bike in the past, you really should have just run a 24 millimeter spindle. You know, if you've got a campy bike, you know, and you're and you want to run, you know, an ultra torque crank, you know, you probably you can run it in a lot of different bottom brackets. A really great bottom bracket to run a campy ultra torque crank in is BB30. I'm a huge fan of BB30 in general when you're running one of what I would call the legacy cranks, which is GXP Shimano and um, campy ultra torque. Those were all developed 
during the threaded bottom bracket era. So they all have that same basic stance. Camp is a little wider than GXP and Shimano is the narrowest, right about BB, about 92 millimeters. And um, the, these, these particular ones um, are not as well suited to some of the bikes that have very narrow bottom bracket standards like BB30. But the beauty, beauty of it is uh, when you press that into a BB30 uh, shell, it sticks out on either side. So the bearings are outboard and Without getting into it too much, when the bearings are inboard of the frame, like on a BB86 or a BB92 or 3D6 Evo, um, the frame has a lot of influence on the final um, performance of the bearing because it depends on how much the bearing can basically uh, constrict on or create radial uh, compression on the bearing. So anytime you can get the bearings outside the bike, you're going to be better off with a wider range of uh, a frame fitments because some manufacturers have really good tolerances some are not so good so every once in a while you could be suffering um from issues just because you tried to you know put the wrong crank in the wrong bike and it's just got a almost like a basic compatibility problem did that answer it yeah <laughs> <laughs> love it oh good <laughs> oh good yeah and those legacy cranks um uh, when you couple that with a Presta 30 or a BB30 frame, they just run so hard. Like a, a Shimano, like a, you have one of the new, um, you know, you have like a, 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 a pre-2021 S-Works or something like that. Those are a BB30 OSBB. BB30 and OSBB are the same thing. Why they're calling it something different, I don't know. They just want to confuse you. It's like Cannondale writes BB30 on the bottom of bikes that are press fit. That's a whole other issue. Um <laughs> But you, you put that in there with a Shimano crank, that thing is going to rip, dude. I mean, this thing's going to be awesome. So it just it just spins so incredibly well. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, bottom brackets get to be a lot of an afterthought for a lot of people. They're like, you know, they can tell you they're going to have these arrow wheels and all that kind of stuff. The bottom bracket is, your, is where all of your power that you're creating, that you're generating, is feeding through the bottom bracket, that is your link to just just that is your link to the power you know that's your power output right there so it is absolutely necessary and important for you to have as little drag and as uh, high performance as possible with that part just like you would want with your wheel hubs um with every with every other part of your bike and your because that's that's where the core of the performance is on a bicycle is through the bottom bracket how many bikes do you have gary and what are you running uh, right now, I have um, behind me. I have this Cannondale uh, System Six uh, that I really love, and uh, I have uh, right now. Um, I've got a. I'm I'm up in the air on the mountain bike that I'm gonna get, uh, but uh, that's all I've got right now. Okay. I've just got the I've just got the System Six. I'm a I'm really a road guy. Gotcha. I mean, I'm 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 about to get right back back into mountain bike. It's one of these things where I started out bike mountain biking, and then like six years ago, I started road biking, and I just couldn't get enough of it. Gotcha. <laughs> it's never looked back and just been right. road biking. Are, what so, group set are you running on it? Oh, Dura Ace, and I'm running it with the Cannondale SI crank. Gotcha. Which Can Cannondale SI cranks have their they have their problems, but at the end of the day, they're super light. I like the modularity, but you got to really stay on top of them because they Cannondale especially when there's a lot of temperature changes, you need to, you need to overhaul the crank. You need to, really? you need to take, take it up. Yeah. They, they, they develop a lot of creeks. They can develop a lot of creeks because with gotcha. temperature changes, you know, uh, the temperature changes are what really kills them because of the, you know, they're all aluminum and they're all modular. So all the interfaces are aluminum. So when you have temperature changes, aluminum shrinks when it's really cold out 
and and then you end up with some creaking and you got to take the crank arms off take the spider off and put more loctite on the spider and put it anyway so that's true of the si cranks but uh, i love them they're fantastic otherwise great matt do you have any questions for gary yeah, I actually have quite a few questions. I figured you would. Uh, one of the questions, okay, so I have this YouTube channel and I talk to a lot of people that are trying to make purchase decisions and all this stuff, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of people will say, you know, I picked this up and look at it. It's, you know, they'll do the like, hey, this spins forever. And um, mm-hmm. that's how they're basing their, their judgment on like the quality of the bearings and the quality of the system, whether that's, you know, a pulley wheel or, you know, bottom bracket or, you know, loads of other locations that this is like the end all be all like decision of whether or not it's a good system. Um, I have a hard time explaining why that's a questionable approach. Usually I'll say like, okay, well, you know, here's a fidget spinner and it spins forever, right? But are the bearings, the whole system in this fidget spinner, like high quality, like then people start to realize, okay, no, maybe not. Uh, so my question to you is like, how do we explain bearing quality and, uh, in these systems to people that consider spins forever, a quality judgment? Well, uh, being able to, being able to spin forever is part of the quality assessment. Okay. So sure. we don't want to, we don't, we don't want to say that it's not, cause we get a lot of questions about people, you know, whatever, you know, trolling you know, on YouTube and all this kind of stuff talking about, yeah, but what is it like when you put it under a load? It's going to be the same. I mean, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be just as good. I mean, there's no, the, the, the initial quality is the spinning, but also it's like, how did they achieve that spin? I mean, are there, are there, are there no seals in right. it? Are there no, cause I mean, if you took that fidget spinner apart, you'll find that it probably has, um, I think, zero uh, grease, like, there, right? like like metal like seals. That. Yeah. No grease, no yep. grease, anything like that. Now, on ceramic bearings, especially on our pulleys, you can run them without grease. Um, believe it or not, you can run them dry. As a matter of fact, we recommend you do on road bikes, and they're going to be extremely durable. That's the real advantage of ceramic bearings. Ceramic bearings don't need anywhere near as much lubrication in order to survive in the same environment that would be required for steel on steel because of the lack of galling. And does that have to like do that more that with the? Does that have to do more with the bearings themselves or the way that they're sealed? That has more to do with the nature of the bearing itself. The, 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 hardness of the, the hardness of the bearing and then the treatment of the race. Now, to get super uh, nerdy here, the, yeah. when you, we're talking about a hybrid ceramic bearing where, uh, you know, like Chris King and We Run and, and mm-hmm. Ceramic Speed, um, you're, you have a steel race, a chromium steel race, and you have, or in some cases, stainless. And then you have, uh, then you have the ceramic balls, uh, uh, silicon nitride balls. And the silicon nitride balls are extremely hard. And if you have an inferior race, it really, it, it will absolutely wear it out in no time at all. I mean, I think everybody's had experiences with cheap ceramics that don't last very long. It's because the silicon nitride ball just completely wears out the race, whether there gets, whether foreign material gets in there or not, it's just going to wipe it out. It's so much harder. So that's why you need to have special heat treatment processes, um, post-production in order to make a race that will hold up to those uh that kind of punishment and that needs to be polished on the inside have no stress risers things like that um and at that point if something gets in there it'll pulverize it you know essentially 
Um, and then, you know, there's, there's other, there's also how the bearing fits, like the actual internal tolerance of the bearings themselves are extremely important. Um, you can, you can dial the internal tolerance of the bearings to make a looser running bearing. I mean, if you want to think about it, think about like a race engine or something like that. If you want to drop a set of like forged pistons in something, you know, they got like a three thousands clearance rather than like drop, you know, like a factory cast piston, like a, a one thou clearance. Because you really, that's for expansion characteristics. But it's also, if you want to run that thing looser, you run the bearing tolerances in an engine a little bit looser um, just because it's going to wind up faster. You can do the same thing with, uh, you know, with, uh, with bearings themselves by running a different fit in them to get, uh, to get them to spin up a lot faster and maintain their, spit, uh, maintain their spin. And uh, that's why a lot of times you'll see, uh, especially on our products, there is a very slight amount of play I mean, a very slight amount, like you would get maybe uh, out of, um, uh, I mean, if you tried to measure it, you wouldn't be able to measure much out of it, maybe a couple of thou swing. And this has to do a lot with the internal tolerances that we choose to spec on our bearings that make them run so hard. Okay. And, and we, we, we warranty them for life anyway. So we have complete, you know, right. faith in, in the durability of the product. I mean, it's not a problem. It's just a matter of those decisions you're making, you know, at the front end, rather than just. I get my bearings from a big supplier. You know, if you're some guy, you know, like I'm, I'm getting my bearings from a big supplier over in Taiwan or China like that, and I just get whatever they send me. We do not play that. If you, um, if you are not in control of something as basic as how your bearing performs when it's not even installed in something, you're already, you know, you're already, already out of the game. You need to guarantee that performance. And then after that, it gets to be how it, how it is interfacing with the product and dialing in the right tolerance. So when you press the bearing in, it doesn't have too much compression. And also, you know, these are being press fitted a lot of times. So what you have is you have the most, cr the craziest thing ever in the cycling industry. And that is you basically are, pre you're double press fitting things. You're stacking tolerances because you're pressing the bearing with an interference fit into a housing like this. And then you're pressing this into a frame that is then going to, that is, needs to put pressure on it in order to retain it. So you're stacking the tolerances on the inside of the bearing. Uh, pretty severely so that's another good reason to run them a little bit looser so they have they have a performance plus they have a bit of a hedge and we also have some internal features in here uh, we call it our uh, reverse half grip bearing fitment you can go on our site and see uh, pictures of how that works where we really only grab half of the bearing usually the, the front half of the bearing and we have a relief on the backside so that the lines of force are not going directly through the center line of all the balls it actually is offset uh, very slightly um, and uh, that, what that does is if there's a, a too much pressure on it, instead of just shutting the bearings down, it actually, the bearing inner race can actually flare out very slightly and move off center. I know it's super nerded out right wow. there. But, no, uh, no, that's a <laughs> that went deep. <laughs> yeah, that was like super deep, man. I should have had some graphics or something. <laughs> I don't know if my hand motions were quite enough for everybody to follow what was going on there. But, uh, so but as far as our pulleys go, they're fully in mold. They're fully in molded, so there's no radial compression on them whatsoever. They're just right. molded into the plastic, into the Delrin material, which we don't do aluminum on our pulleys just because uh, for, for for performance issues with uh, aluminum. Do you do you manufacture your own bearings, or do you outsource those with like specific specs? We do not manufacture our own bearings, but we do. But you, it, when you have a when you're able to cultivate a relationship with a company that manufactures them, uh, we have a really good partnership with uh, a major bearing supplier for NTN, 
which NTN is a very high-end Japanese bear company, and they have subsidiaries that deal with uh, people like us who have some special needs, um, which is which is a great program, and uh, and 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 they will tailor. Uh, like I said, I was talking about tailoring our fit and things like that. We tell them what grease we want in there, and they do all. They don't just do it their way. Now NTN already makes great bearings, but they're not very. They're not well suited to a lot of applications for cycling um, because of some of the things the aforementioned things about you know all the variables in the final fit. And the final pressure that's on the bearing, NTN's not expecting that. They're they're <laughs> they're expecting everything to be made like it's being made in you know a machine shop to like a very exacting specs, not you know like pressing something into carbon fiber that has kind of elasticity to it and all that. But but anyhow, so yeah, we do not make them in house. Um, we 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 are looking at doing that though. Um, I mean that's just a, that's a huge that's a huge undertaking. And I mean like I said, I I had mentioned kind of when we were talking before uh, we started. Uh, broadcasting here that uh, that you know I really admire Chris King uh, what they've been able to do um, they, they they manufacture all their bearings in-house in the USA and uh, I would really like to do that that's a huge huge commitment in um, in capital investment um, that we would like to make so as soon as we can we will we've already talked to the <laughs> to the to, to some ma- manufacturers who make bearing manufacturing machines so we can do it here but for right now, we've just been too small. It's, you know, if anybody wants to give me $2 million, we'd be in the bearing business <laughs> together. So, Chris, <laughs> Chris, I know you like to invest. <laughs> <laughs> I could throw some money at you. I got 50 bucks in my wallet. No. We, uh, I, I, Chris, Chris King's here in our back, you know, backyard, and they've got a huge operation here. But if I recall, I, I think they've been shut down all year. They haven't been producing oh. much of anything or if yeah. anything at all. I know that like you know, Envy's not even offering Chris King as an option on their wheel sets right now, and there's a few other manufacturers oh, that typically yeah. work with them that have kind of taken them off the menu as well, which is kind of a bummer. Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. I didn't. I didn't know that. Maybe that's maybe that's why Allied Cycling was hitting me up because they probably need. Yeah. <laughs> they, maybe they probably because. Cause they were, they were, yeah, they were pretty serious. They were pretty, uh, pretty deep into the Chris King, and they were probably like, "Oh crap." Yeah, <laughs> we haven't been doing much. Hey, yeah. I feel, I feel horrible for them. Oh my gosh, we've been, we've been extremely uh, fortunate here that uh, we haven't had any, any problems. We haven't been shut down at all, except for like two days last week because it was you know, just epic snowmageddon going on around in Little Rock. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even get into the shop. You know, even with all-wheel drive, I just like screw it. I ain't even risking it. But gotcha. we haven't been closed down for COVID or anything like that. Good. So why don't why don't yeah. you do a, a little bit of a product list for us, real quick? What I mean, what are the main things that you're working on? Is it just pulley wheels and bottom brackets, and that's it? Yeah, we have. Yes, we we branched out into doing wheel bearing sets for a little while, um, and it wasn't anything wrong with it, other than it's hard to find wheel bearing specs on every wheel on the planet. So yeah. They don't really publish those very dependably, and uh, and they change on at, at a whim. But uh, we, we decided we just wanted to settle, settle on our core competence, which is bottom bracket performance and pulley wheels, especially with the bottom brackets, that it's extremely underserved from a purely performance standpoint. Okay, there's a lot of companies out there that make a solid bottom bracket, uh, no doubt about it, especially if you're talking about threaded or something like that. But there's very, there's nobody or, or there wasn't anybody out there making a bottom bracket specifically for the performance market. Now, of course, we really made our name because our stuff doesn't creak. 
okay? Because that's yeah. really the main complaint with PressFit is everybody's like, that's what they're trying to do. They're coming to us to solve a problem. Yep. Um, it, it just so happens that the design that's required to make something, here's a T47, for instance, um, the design that's required to uh, make something not creak also happens to be perfect for performance. And that is because you get this, you get perfect bearing alignment. What we are doing basically is we're making a hub, a wheel hub, like a front wheel hub on a bicycle. And we sure. know how nice those spin. We're making one of those that you press into your bike, or in this case with T47 screw into your bike, because we make it all in one pass on the CNC machine. We're not doing multiple processes. We're not turning it around and machining one side, turning around, machining the other, because then you could have, you know, a few thousands of deviation from basically center to center between the bearings. And we want to have no deviation center to center on the bearings. I mean, we want that thing to be absolute. We, we get them absolutely perfect. And that's where the that's the core reason why our performance is what it is, because the bearings are perfectly aligned. There's a lot of other features that come into play, but at the end of the day, that is what does it. And it also is what, why it doesn't creak because it's not multiple pieces. Nothing can come loose. Even thread together ones kind of become unthreaded um, and you, they need to be pulled out and put back together and, and things like that. Never have that problem with a one piece design. Um, it completely solves the problem of and, and performance and creaking all in one, just like that. Gotcha. All right, so on YouTube right now, we've got a few people that are chiming in. We had one ask a couple questions. Um, Scott Trotman wants to know, how sealed are your bottom brackets for a cyclocross bike? And he's currently running a uh, uh, specialized Cruxed with a BB30 in it. Right. This is, always, this is always an interesting question because it's the balance between sealing and performance. What are you trying to do? Okay, mm -hmm. somebody, do you want to go as fast as possible? Yes. And I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. I'm just saying that in perspective here, if you want to go as fast as possible, you do not want something with very aggressive ceiling on it mm -hmm. because it is going to slow you down. It's just a fact of life. Um, there's no way around it and there's no way to keep water out. I don't care what you do. Um, it's just, it's just going to happen. So for anybody looking for something that they want to go out and just pound, you know, day in, day out, they can totally, they can use our product for that. It's not a problem. But if they're looking for something that they will never have to do maintenance on, there isn't anything. Um, if you never want to do maintenance, you'll just be replacing parts. So, you know, we get people running our product in uh, in cyclocross, mountain bike, and have thousands of miles on the bearings. You do occasionally need to do some maintenance. It's super easy to do. We have videos on how to do it. You're just popping the seals off, flushing it out, putting some grease in there, sticking everything back together. It's really not a big deal. But... You know, most people neglect their wheel bearings. I mean, we get bikes in here for bottom brackets all the time, and their wheel bearings are completely blown. They're just completely shot, and they mm -hmm. had no idea. And because um, there's a lot of things we just we just neglect, and because you know how it is, man. I mean, if you've got if you've got an hour in a day, you'd rather ride your bike than work on it. I Amen. completely believe <laughs> yeah. me. Believe me. You're like, you know what I mean? It's like. Would you rather ride your bike? Yes, 100%. All you have to do is look at the chain on my bike, and you'll see <laughs> some, <laughs> some, yeah. It's, I think it's silver under there somewhere, but um, but you have to you have to keep up with uh with your machine, or it's going to screw you over. Uh, so as far as the sealing goes, um, you're going to want to have what we run. We run a low contact seal. There is contact, so it will seal out major debris and things like that. You are going to get water in 
intrusion. There's no doubt about it. If you start submerging it, it will get water in the bearings. If you're running our ceramics, it's not as big a deal. So you're not going to steel bearings. You're going to have a problem because if you put it up that way, you go to ride it the next day and, it, and the, the bearings are like welded to the races and stuff. Um, that can even happen with stainless ones too. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, you know, you have to be realistic about how you're riding and where you're riding. And then you do need to do, um, you need, you need to figure out a, a maintenance schedule that works for you and then go do it. What would you recommend for somebody living here in the Pacific Northwest? We deal with crappy weather for about half of the year. Um, We're out there riding in the the thick of it um, when we're not riding on Zwift. But what would be a typical maintenance schedule that you would recommend for somebody with a BB BB Infinite setup? Well, I would say uh, for BB Infinite and for, you know, basically I don't care what you're running. You're going to need to do some kind of maintenance. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but for, for let's just say for a BB Infinite one, we like to recommend about every on a mountain bike or cyclocross um, about every forty hours. For I mean, obviously, if you're riding in down in San Antonio, it's going to be a much different deal. Um, but uh, but whether you know when you're up in the Pacific Northwest, that's very wet. Uh, I would probably wouldn't want to run steel bearings too much up in the Pacific Northwest. I would probably really uh, steer more towards ceramics, um, just because they do better in the wet. Um, they don't have as many problems. Once you do get water intrusion, they don't have as many issues as, as steel ones because they don't, um, you know, obviously the race is steel, but it doesn't have quite the pitting problems that you're going to get when you've got steel on steel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it causes more of an issue. Um, we really got that baptism by fire years ago when we were sponsoring some people out in Belgium. And, uh, you know what I mean? In Belgium, they're like, if it's not raining, they're not sure they should go out for a ride or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, you know, it's not hard enough, you know? So, and uh, and we had some of our earlier bearings. We had some, you know, it's like everything else, man. You know, our, some of our earlier bearings, we're on our, we're on our fourth generation of ceramic bearings right now. Like oh, our wow. fourth, fourth improvement over time. Yeah, yeah. These aren't the original bearings we started out with. You know, you got to learn, you got to learn lessons. You know, that's right. just that's just part of life. And and uh, the Belgians <laughs> really showed us the way um, they showed us that steel bearings are a mistake in a lot of these applications that are super wet and that the ceramic bearings are good. But you really need you need to be really on top of the uh, the, the race heat treating even more so. And then, you know, we we've developed our WS2 coating, which is a, a tungsten disulfide uh, coating that's extremely hard and super slippery. Um, I mean, they use it on like Dana rear ends and stuff like that in, in, you know, like race cars and on all kinds of stuff, um, because of its low, low coefficient of friction. And, uh, that's been a real game changer, um, as far as, you know, keeping the, uh, you know, keeping everything running really well, uh, when there's, when there's really ugly situations as far so as with, the weather goes and the with conditions. ceramic with the ceramic bearings, um, they should be smoother. They should last longer. And they're they're more expensive, correct? They're more expensive because they're more expensive to produce. Okay. You know that's you know that's the main reason uh, by far. <laughs> they're a lot more expensive to produce yeah. uh, than steel. Um, as far as smoother, we have our ABEX seven steel bearings are freaking tremendous. Yeah, they are really good. Um, they were so they were so good that you know it it really we needed to up our game a little bit on the ceramics even more because they're they're really good and to be able to outperform them is pretty difficult. Um, 
but uh, but as far as for like we said, weather conditions go, I would really favor the ceramics more in really bad weather. Can wet when I say bad, let's just say more like if you're in England, places that where people go out and they ride in the rain, they don't you know go they don't avoid it. Um, then Portland. ceramics yeah. way to go. <laughs> Every Portland race, yeah, like where you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So when I get back from a ride, and let's say that I had a steel bearing in my bottom bracket, um, I, am, I I need to rinse my bike off. I need to clean it because it's going to be covered in everything. It's going to be pretty beat up. Mm-hmm. Um, protocol mm-hmm. for the bearing, though. Once I'm done, like spraying everything down and cleaning, and you know, drying my chain and lubing the chain, what would I? What should I do for my bottom bracket after every ride? Is using an air compressor sufficient to kind of try and blow some of the fluids out of there? No, and I really wouldn't. Here's what I would do is I would, uh, just like with your wheels, yeah. I would assess them, you know, dynamically. I would just pull, you know, I would, once I had the bike up in the stand, I would roll the wheels and see if I can feel vibrations through the, through the frame. I would pull the chain aside, you know, send free spin the crank and see if it, see if everything seems to be working fine. If it's working fine and you've done maintenance, you know, in a reasonable amount of time, I, I would just, I would just continue to ride it. You know, it's not one of these things you got to, you know, like a dragster, like every run they're pulling the heads off of it. Yeah. you know, in the pits or something. It's not like that. It's just something you need to be mindful of on some kind of regular schedule. Um, and, you know, there's just races like the Dirty Kanza. If you're not taking your entire bike apart after something like that, you're doing yourself a disservice because, you know, people wear out cassettes and chains and, you know what I mean, in yeah, one race. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, I mean, I've seen people do it, you know, in, in quite a few races, not even 24-hour races or, or, or just completely wasted drivetrain in a single race just because you know the grit and aspect and all that sort of thing so you just need to be mindful and, and kind of assess the situation and, and go on your own experience uh, you'll get a feel for it you know what kind of maintenance schedule you should be on and then follow our rough you know uh, guidelines for like about every 40 hours or so do an actual take it apart and maintain it on a mountain or cyclocross and on a road bike about every 2,000 miles or so those gotcha. are good those are good all-arounders yeah gotcha. Matt, you said you had a list of questions. What else you got for for Gary here? Yeah. Um, okay, so another question that I get a lot is kind of like, uh, I would say the way to describe it would be like watts per dollar gained. You know, these people that are trying to buy speed and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. This is tough, too, because it's like bearings tend to be not the highest kind of, you know, watts per dollar gain that you would get uh when you're looking at like Mm -hmm. making an upgrade however you know like you mentioned like durability is like such a huge thing that people kind of overlook when they're talking about this stuff what what are you guys Mm -hmm. seeing from the time trial dorks and the guys like that that are just (laughs) like i'm I'm willing to fork over cash right yeah the the guys that are doing tries and and especially time trials are going to be a lot more sensitive to it because they, they crunch that kind of data. I mean, they're, you know, they're all real number crunchers. They, they, they ride a lot of the same courses over and over again uh, in similar conditions. And they're real attuned to, you know, their bodies and all that kind of stuff. So you can get a lot of good dynamic data from guys that are just going out and doing that. We have a lot of people that partner with us doing that, sharing their data with us. Um, we've got uh, some people on the U.S. Olympic team that are nice enough that are running our products uh, on the Paralympic team. Um, Jason Makem, what's up? Um, and some other guys that are, you know, they're, you know, top flight athletes giving us over some data, but, but at the end of the day, what I like, I think the ultimate question is, 
you know, the, the, the word is thrown around or the term is thrown around is like incremental gains. And when it comes down to it, every gain is incremental. That is what we're all chasing all the time. We're chasing it with our own fitness. When we all want to go out and see improvement, right, over a course, and how are we doing that? We're doing that incrementally, right? I mean, it's, it's a little bit at a time. Sometimes we go back, sometimes we go forward, but ultimately we want to take two steps up. If we're going to take one back, we at least want to take some up. So when it comes to drivetrain efficiency, they are all incremental gains. That's just a fact. They are. But that can't be that can't be belittled in the fact that right. if you could if you could gain the same amount or lose the same amount uh, in a, you know in your PR if you can gain ten seconds in a PR by changing out a part that might not sound like much you know over a forty three kilometer time trial or something like that you know to do like a two second or three second gain or something like that but I mean I, I don't know I, I I've been around plenty of races where people run win by literal hundreds of a second so right. these things are important now are they uh you know then the thing is like well what about when i'm just going out riding my with my buddies that's up to that person to make a value judgment at that point don't you want to beat your buddies you know who doesn't i mean i want to throw them yes. all into the pain cave and and, and watch them <laughs> suffer and just i want see my goal on every ride whenever i'm in a group ride would be to make everyone that was riding with me at the end of it question their they're questioning their choices, right? You know what I mean? I mean, I want them to be like, like somebody at the end, at least to grab their bike and throw it in a dish and go, screw this, man. You know what I mean? I want to ride with Gary. And, <laughs> that sounds familiar. I, that gets done to me more than anything, but, but you know, just saying, you know, it depends on, it does depend on your goals. And I understand, um, what the, what the question is like, you know, uh, where, as far as like, where's the value? Okay. The value really gets to be you are investing, especially with bikes. Okay, you are investing in you. Okay, the whole reason you are out on the bike is for is for you. It's a very selfish endeavor. Okay, let's face it. You're out there. You're out there to perform at your best, and really, there is no reason to 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 underperform. As a matter of fact, that should offend everybody. Just the idea that it's like, well, I'm going to go out and sandbag it today. You're like, what? What? Why are you here? You know what I mean? So, so what you're after ultimately is you're after, you're after a high performance part with the durability, you get all of the, everything you want. That's really the value you're after. Okay. And that's, that's what we're, that's what we're about delivering. I was saying earlier, that's why our stuff is serviceable so you can keep the performance going. Okay. So it's not just a constant degradation in performance. Cause there's another good reason to maintain it right there is because as, if you're not maintaining enough, um, you will lose performance and then you can, like anybody who's ever cleaned their chain and then going out and ridden and going like, Oh my God, I can't believe how big a difference yeah. that made just having a clean chain. <laughs> so, and, and because human, human power output is so finite. Okay. That, um, you know, you only have so much to put out a, a, a few Watts are something you literally will feel for sure, which is why I love our pulleys because when somebody puts our pulleys on their, on their bike, I know for a fact that when they go out there, they'll ride about 15, 20 feet and they'll go like, really? I cannot believe that made that big a difference. And it's because our, once again, our power output is so finite and, and our feel is uh, for, for our, uh, ourselves, you know, as a, as a biological entity in this world, you know, the way we sense our own output and our, and our, and our own fatigue and all that kind of stuff, you know, we're very attuned to that. You are going to feel a difference 
in very small amounts of performance, uh, uh, very in different performance. Uh, you'll feel it every time. Yeah. Do you guys use any of that for marketing material? I know ceramic speed is, is kind of famous, infamous. I don't know how you want to describe it for like talking about, you know, the expected gains for switching from, you know, one piece to the next. Is, is that something that you guys tout or do you guys more focus on some of the other things that you mentioned before, like uh, durability and serviceability of the, of the product? Yeah, I mean, we do have we do have some things on our website that shows, you know, different bench testing results and things we've done. Um, you know, I hate to equivocate. But I'm not as into that uh, personally. No, I think because... it's I think it's actually kind of relieving a little bit because yeah, um, that I, it's almost like yeah, but we're <laughs> there's more important things to think about here. So it's it's just kind of nice to to hear the other side of the coin. Well, yeah, I mean, is it, do we know, the biggest thing is we do the testing so we know we're, we know we're hitting the sweet spot, okay? M more than just a marketing ploy, I want to make sure that this configuration, this setup, and all that kind of stuff is an improvement over what we were doing before, okay? So we can quantify things. Now, um, as far as, uh, you know, differences in bearing performance or bottom bracket performance, it, it's very hard to compare because it all depends on, you know, if somebody has been riding that bike for a long time and they're replacing it with another part, then that, that other that other part that they replaced was the baseline for how they're making their judgment. And when they put the new one in, they'll feel the performance difference. And that's awesome. But it all depends on what condition that bottom bracket was in before. On how much of a difference they're going to feel. I mean, if the thing was completely wasted, they're going to feel a lot more different. Yeah. Right. If the if it was in tip top shape. And it was just creaking like mad and they just had to get it out of there they're going to feel a difference with our product because I, our product spins like nothing else it just won't be it won't be as dramatic it, you know what i mean as if that same exact person had a completely blown bottom bracket and switched to our product now the pulleys the pulleys i keep coming back to that because it's a lot easier for me to predict the customer experience with the pulleys because the factory pulleys suck that bad okay i don't yep. care if they're out of the I don't care if they're brand yes. new. I don't care. I don't care if yeah. they've got 2000 miles on them. They, their spin on factory Shimano pulleys is absolutely abysmal. I know that if you put our product on your bike, it's going to blow your mind and there's just no two ways about it. And they're incredibly durable. I mean, dude, we've got people with 20,000 miles on them. So they're like proven, they're race proven. Um, we've had, you know, pro continental teams riding on them for a complete an entire season. You know, you know, those guys are really big into maintenance, you know what I mean? It's not like pro teams. These guys are doing their own maintenance, you know what I mean? They got jobs and they're, you know, they got, and they're trying to still ride six, eight hours a day and stuff so like that. So why do you think that that is that you're paying for like, let's say Shimano Dura Ace components and they have those same standard pulley wheels back there that, mm -hmm. you know, that they would sell on a lot of different products. Like why would, why would they not make any sort of effort on those particular piece of the puzzle, right? I mean, you think that they've looked at all of the different parts of the drivetrain and they've thought like, in, in my mind, I'm thinking like, hey, this is low hanging fruit. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be glib, you know, because I really can't read Shimano's mind. But, you know, you kind of have to do that a little bit when you're studying your, especially your opposition in a lot of ways. And you, you really dig into their products over time and know how they think. Um, so basically, your performance is not important to them. I know that sounds might sound kind of weird, but your your riding performance 
is not what's important. To them, what's important is the performance of their product. Okay, the, the way they're the way the shifters are shifting and all that kind of stuff, which is which I love Shimano. <laughs> it's just not a criticism of Shimano. They're absolutely amazing engineers, and and all that kind of stuff. But I think uh, I think they are and they're extremely conservative when it comes to um, durability. Um, and this doesn't mean we sacrifice durability, but Shimano is on another level. They they like triple seal things. They their bottom brackets barely even spin. You know what I mean? And 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 their products hurt people's performance. Their bottom bracket hurts people's performance. Sorry, Shimano. I mean, I, I hate throwing you under the bus like that. You know what I mean? Love well, everything. And they else. do the same thing with. I feel like they sometimes do the same thing with chains and the way that they're packaged and things like that. It's more set up for like longevity on the shelf and things like that, where it seems questionable that it's it's not super. <laughs> you mean like that goop they send on the chain and people think that's yep. lube? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Clean that crap off. Don't put it on your bike like that. <laughs> that stuff is disgusting. It's like Cosmoline or something. Now get that off. There. I think Ceram's. I think Ceram's worse than Shimano, if I remember correctly. I always take a. I always take a, a chain out of a out of a out of the package and clean it. I put it in denatured alcohol and let it soak and clean it before I ever do that. Even if I'm just putting rock and roll lube, which is awesome. Um, if you're not actually like doing like a paraffin wax deal on your chains, um, rock and roll is, is awesome stuff. I, that's all I ever use, but, but yeah, anyhow, that um, leads to my, but yeah, that does lead to my next question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I use rock and roll and I use, what is the other white one that we squirt, sometimes squirt. throw around squirt? Yeah. That's, but that's squirt? more like paraffin. <laughs> that's more, well, it's kind of a paraffin wax yeah. based lubricant. I haven't had that well. one yet. Oh yeah, you should check it out. It's easy. What is the bottle um, shape like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, what makes so you talked about lubrication of bearings and things like that? What makes um, a particular type of lubricant better than a different type of lubricant when it comes to like bearing lubrication? Squirt. Oh, that is. Oh, that's the squirt. That is a very good question because that is extremely. Oh, there you go. Squirt. Okay, not the bottle shape I was expecting. I was, I was expecting target. more yeah, rocket shape. Close. Stay on target. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So, um, so anyway, what was the question? No, the lubricant. Um, we. Oh, so yeah, just um, talking about like how you guys make that judgment call, right? Where it's like there's well, just different pieces, viscosity, and especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This goes for a spe- this goes for ceramic bearings in particular, but it also applies to anything with a very small ball bearing in it. Okay, because even these 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 bearings right here, um, you know, this is our forty thirty bearing, um, you know, they've or a sixty eight oh six bearing. Those are still miniature miniature bearings, right? So they have you know they have very small bearings inside of them. So we don't want to use a lube. Uh, which a lot of people have a tendency to do use a grease that's that has a high viscosity that's extremely thick and sticky because what it will do is uh, when you pack all that inside the bearing the bearings actually don't roll inside in through the races they slide okay and you'll see this a lot of times people will when they when they this is good because we were talking about servicing earlier is you know that's why the the amount of grease fill is so important Okay, you don't want to you don't want to just pack it in there 100 percent full of grease and you especially don't want to use something that has a very high viscosity is very sticky because of that, because it will it'll act as the bearings will just be orbiting in the races instead of instead of rolling through them. So uh, we use a Kluber Isoflex NB52, um, which is a really cool, uh, which is a great lube all around. It's great on all of these bearings. 
um, ceramic speed. You could use ceramic speeds lubes on, on, on our bearings. We don't care. Um, cause it's another one. You basically, you, you get it between your fingers. It doesn't like, it doesn't feel like it's sticking together. You know what I mean? And, and that's really, you know, that's a good test right there. If it doesn't feel like it wants to glue your fingers together before you kind of have to pop them apart. Um, you want something with a low viscosity so that the balls can make, get the lubricant that they need, which is great with ceramics, especially because you don't have to put that much in there. It gets that little bit of lubrication and ease and they're able to roll as they're going around. Cause a lot of, I, I don't know how people understand how ball bearings work, but that's what's happening is as one, you know, like as the inner race is turning, the balls themselves are spinning inside of there like little wheels and they're spinning in the opposite direction, right? So the inner race is going to be spinning, let's say clockwise and all the little balls are going to be spinning anti-clockwise as it goes around. Um, which is why there's left and right, which is why there's left hand threaded bottom brackets like this T47 and, and, you know, threaded English is because the idea is the actual, the, the action of the bearing spinning will naturally be tightening the bottom bracket. It's kind of a, a mind twister, but anyway, as those things are, so as those balls are spinning through there, you need a low viscosity at the end of the day. I guess that's the, the final question. So you don't want to be using a grease that's inappropriate for bearings this size. It's extremely important. Uh, so if you go with a Kluber Isoflex, like we sell in our shop, that's great. Ceramic speed uh, grease is good. Um, the FSA grease, all of the, that are for specifically for ceramic bearings, all of them are going to be appropriate because they are going to have, and we've, uh, we've seen ourselves that they have the appropriate viscosity because it's not as much about a brand necessarily, although I like finish line as well. Uh, and we favor Kluber, uh, but it's, it's about having it be appropriate for the application. Do you guys specify the amount of like lubricant that is for a specific bearing set? Because I think that that would yeah, be we do. super critical too. If you have documentation on that sort of stuff for people or mechanics, yeah, it's hard to it's it's it is right. hard for people in the field to reproduce that though. I mean, when I say, oh, the best would be like a thirty percent fill, somebody's like, um, what? I mean, at that point, I would need to have a preloaded syringe with it's like if you have a sixty to six bearing, this syringe, if you put all of the grease in there, will be the right amount, and that's just that's just unrealistic. You know, that's just not how it goes. You know, like a like preloaded. Um, what I would say is you, you want to, once you get it all cleaned out, uh, you want to basically, if you put in, put grease in about half the bearing or you skip every other ball and just kind of squirt in between there. And then, um, and then, and then just roll the bearing around to, you know, to distribute the grease, you're probably going to be okay. Okay. But to get in there and just packing as much as you possibly can is actually a big mistake. Even with the low yeah. viscosity greases, although they're, they're extremely forgiving. That's another reason why we like them is because you're less likely to, to put too much grease in there. You know, like it's your Volkswagen Super Beetle or something like that. And you're, you know, repacking the bearings and you just try to put as much in there as possible. That's, that's not what we're after. Yeah, that, yeah. This is my classic mistake where it's like, oh, this stuff is good. I better go with a lot of it. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah, grease is one of those things that's clearly not that way. That's a, that's a great question, a great response. Thanks, guys. Um, Lance, Lance has got another little laundry list of questions over there. I think we could go on for days here, but yeah, <laughs> let, let's keep rifling through them. My, you know, when I think about BB Infinite, I, my automatically thought is they're smooth and they're quiet. And I think, mm -hmm. I, am, am I getting kind of, is that is that what you're trying to portray? Is that what your product does? It should be smoother and it should be quieter. Well, it should be dead quiet. Um, the the whole thing where somebody's like, "Well, I went to my bike mechanic, 
And he said that, well, these kind of bikes just creak. There is not a bike out there that some guy designed and it just creaks. It just, it just doesn't work that way. Your bike should always be quiet. Um, it shouldn't be creaking anywhere. I mean, drivetrain noise notwithstanding. So, um, so as far as smoothness goes, to have the, mo- the, the, the most solid pedaling platform is really what we're after. Okay, because you want to have somebody as they're moving through, you know, when they're when they're riding their cadence or whatever, when they're moving through that full range of motion, it is just feels like butter, like you're like you're skating on ice. You know what I mean? That's that's what we're after. You know, at the, at the beginning, you know, we, we set our standard. We said, how do we want how do we know we've succeeded in, in making a press fit bottom bracket perform the way we want? And it said if it spins like a circa 1990 campy square taper bottom bracket. <laughs> Because those things were like, spin it, come back, you know, six days later, and it's still spinning. I mean, they were just absolutely mind-blowing, the performance. And they lasted forever. So that was really my bench. That was my benchmark because I had a, quite a few of those systems in the, you know, uh, throughout time. And um, I used to be a huge campy guy. And I uh, still love campy, don't get me wrong. It's just, it, unfortunately, it's incompatible with a lot of the newer bikes, um, uh, which is really unfortunate for campy. They, they need to they need to. I don't know what they need to do. I can't tell them they know their business, but I mean, get EPS. If you've got something with crazy housing, you know, like, like really like crazy bends and stuff like that. Cause the mechanical stuff just really suffers on that because of yes. the way their mechanism works. But anyhow, I digress. Um, uh, that that's how we knew it because that, yeah, we want to be absolutely dead silent, which is what we get with the one piece design. And then from the bearing quality, the bearing fitment, which is why I love T47 is because T47, I never, I never have to worry about T47, you know, if somebody's going to press it into a frame that they got from a manufacturer that's maybe not as, uh, as let's just say, as good with their tolerances, for lack of a better term, um, that they might have a degradation of performance and it makes our product look bad just because their frame is over compressing it. With T47, that's never going to be a problem uh, because it's because it is threaded on the outside. Um, it has a looseness, even like this is a T47 internal right here. So the bearings are internal uh, inside the frame, which is where you run into problems with press fit sometimes because the frame has, you know, the, the, the force is, is stresses right on top of the bearing and shoots right down through the race and, uh, and tries to impinge on the bearings if it's excessively tight. T47 is never going to have that problem uh, because it is basically a loose fit because it has to thread together. And uh, that really – thank you, Chris King, by the way, for T47 – because uh, I was real down on it at first, but once once I wrapped my head around it and quit being so butthurt, the fact that people were <laughs> you know um, saying saying bad things about PressFit because we felt like we solved the PressFit problem. That was I, I was a little butthurt when I saw Chris King and all these people were gonna go back to thread, and I was like, what What are you doing, dude? One piece PressFit, PressFit baby, we solved the problem. Get your head out of your butt. But really, honestly, what they did is they created he created just this monster fat bottom bracket that let us do everything we wanted. We could have our way with this standard and, uh, and I can dial the bearing fit in on this sucker so good. And I never have to worry about the frame over compressing it. So I'm really in love with that. I'm really in love with T47 these days, man. It really, he gave us, thank you, Chris King. You gave us a canvas where we could really draw exactly what we want to paint exactly the picture we wanted to paint. So I was, Going back to that single shell and overcompressing and tolerances and all that other stuff, how many phone calls, emails, and smoke signals are you responding to with respect to people putting that in for the first time and calling you up and going, I think my frame is about ready to explode. What am I doing wrong here? Do you guys deal with that all the time? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, oh yeah, that's a, that's a big part of that's a big part of, uh, of of our customer service is helping people install the product. That's why we like to be very available. Yeah, uh, and not on the phone too much these days because it, it just it would be impossible. Yeah, because um, we do sell a lot of product, and you know if people want to call to order and do all kinds of stuff. So we've really shifted more toward you know we do a lot of Facebook and Instagram messages sure. and a lot of emails, and we're very responsive. You know, pretty much on Sunday is the only day you're not going to be able to get a hold of us. Gotcha. Um, and um, and w- and we help people all the time. The vast majority of the installs are going to go go down without a hitch. I mean, Correct. you got a Bianchi, you know, you've got a you got a track, you got you're not going to have a problem. You know what I mean? A- every once in a while, you know, a- everything in life is about you know you have a big population, then you have outliers. All right. So, you know, even even big manufacturers like a, a Cervelo or a Cannondale or whatever, they, there's an outlier. They, you know, the 98 percent is in good shape. And then there's one percent on either end that's way too tight or way too loose. And it's just a fact every once in a while. And it, somebody's going to get, you know, draw the short straw and they're going to get one that's way too tight. And then they start putting it in their bike and they're like, hey, man, I'm trying to put it in my bike. And it, it, it's, you know, it, it, it won't go in. Um, or, Hey, I'm, I put it in my bike and now the bearings aren't running so good. You know, what do I do? We help people through that. I'm not like, Oh, that sucks, man. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is a, what about this? Uh, this is what outliers are. You have an outlier and eh, it sucks to be you, man. But Hey man, you know, maybe you shouldn't play the lottery. You know, that's, that's, that's BS. Well, you know, we, we want our customers to be extremely happy at the end of the day. And we want them to have a great deal of satisfaction. And we've had people send us frames before to correct, correct some serious problems. Um, you might've seen some of our videos where it shows us reaming out a bottom bracket and doing things like that. We've corrected some frames for people before. Um, uh, even one from a major manufacturer, which I think they just forgot to resize it from the frame. I mean, you could barely get a bottom bracket of any kind in this bike and, huh. it, and they've been riding it for a year or two. Gotcha. And, uh, we ended up, we ended up reaming like four thousandths worth of material, which is a lot of material. Uh, out of the bike just to just so we could get uh, a BB uh, it was a BB86 bike a B, get a BB86 bottom bracket into it of course it spun awesome after that because when yep. the tolerances are dead on yep. it's really good but once again a, a lot of it has to do you have to fix that on the front side you have to create a design uh, like this right here right there. you have to create a design that intrinsic to the design it had it, it it can handle a certain amount of over compression you you can't just design everything to say, oh, I'm always going to get like the Cinderella zone because you're not. Mm-hmm. OK, so what we what we do with our especially with our the way we shape our bores, because we don't have parallel bores. I already discussed this about our half grip. We don't have parallel bores in our product for a reason. And, and that is because if we did that, we would have a lot more performance issues and a lot more frames because there's a there's a, there's a lot of frames that are on that ragged edge of being too tight because. You know, and I don't blame the manufacturer for that too much because if they make a frame that's too big, it's junk, mm-hmm. right? If they make a frame that's too small, or right, then they could revise it, or at least it's not junk anymore, right? And they can still send them out. So they're always aiming for that that the tight side of the tolerances, and, and, and this really comes, this really, uh, this really shows its itself with uh, Cervelo. Um, we have a lot of experience with Cervelo, and I can tell you right now, if you made a bottom bracket that was forty six millimeter, which you know, a 46 millimeter nominal is what BB Wright is supposed to be. If you make a, if you put a 46 millimeter nominal bottom bracket in a Cervelo, it will shut the bearings down right away. Hmm. Okay, it is not going to work. Okay, because they make their frames 
so much smaller than 46. Okay, they make them a good deal smaller than 46. So our Cervelo BB Wright product, which is a luxury we have because they're the only ones running BB Wright besides Factor. We can talk about that in another moment. We were able to dial our outer diameter, which we call it our frame-specific diameter construction. We were able to ta tailor our outer diameter more toward what Cervelo actually makes rather than what they say they make. Hmm. Okay, so uh, because if we tried to make it according to what they say they make, our bearings, our bottom bearings would suck in their bikes. It would be awful. Yeah. So we actually had to go with a slightly smaller dimension. You can buy one of our products and mic it if you want to know what that is. I'm not going to say. Um, but we, we make it to a slightly different dimension in order to get the performance we need to get out of Cervelo's because of the product, the way they actually make their product when it comes off the line. Good. Not everybody's like that. I don't have the luxury with that with BB86, which is just so ubiquitous uh, right now, thanks to Shimano. Um, but everybody seems to be really all the people making BB86 seems to be uh, seem to be working out pretty well. Um, they're, they're, they're really they're really hitting that number pretty good. So a 41 millimeter nominal bottom bracket fits in it like a glove and, and works really well. Gotcha. One of our other questions on the list that we have here is what bike company has the best tolerances and the best bottom bracket design? Wow. Um, none of them have that. the best bottom bracket design. <laughs> we do. <laughs> no. Um, uh, I would say who has the cleanest, who has the cleanest frames. I mean, specialized has always been fantastic. Um, you know, man, I, I, I kind of, I was talking about their OSBB design, their OSBB press for design that they campaigned like from the first Venge on. And then, and they were like, every, and they were like, and, and they, they now have gone back to threaded, which was such a huge mistake. First of all, I mean, specialized, why didn't you go to T47? Why did you go back to... <laughs> Why'd you go back to English threaded, which is a very restrictive bottom bracket standard when people are trying to fit larger spindles? That didn't make any sense to me why they did that. Hmm. But um, they were just trying to get people to stop complaining about creaking, yes. But those bottom brackets that were coming out in those specialized bikes were so freaking perfect. And they were made out of carbon fiber. They weren't they were they were so good. Man, we can pop we can put a bottom bracket in that thing and the performance is gonna be amazing every time. I've never seen one be screwed up. Like from the factory ever, they're just really dead on. But now they're threaded again, so all that, whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, Cannondale's good. Cannondale's really, really pretty good too. Um, but uh, and I'm not going to tell you who the worst is. Oh come um, on! But the other <laughs> the edgy, people, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> the other, the other company that always does a great job, and they got so much grief for their bottom bracket design was Trek when they were doing BB90. Um, that's a tricky, tricky thing they were trying to do. And, you know, they were, they, they did an amazing job building those frames. Trek BB 90 frames are extremely, I mean, their bottom brackets are extremely square. I mean, the bottom, the, the bearings are very well aligned. I mean, those bikes are made extremely well. They really are. I mean, Trek really makes a nice bike. We can, we can, we can talk about whether BB 90 itself pressing the bearings directly into a carbon frame was a good idea. Um, but they were they were excellent at making bikes and felt makes a really clean product too they don't they're not very popular they don't get like talked about a lot but felt bicycles i think are really slick they, they do a really nice job good what's your thought on bmc <laughs> we deal with a lot of bmc here uh bmc i mean, i think bmc is 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 good too uh there's some anomalies with bmc uh just like scott that that maybe i'm not the biggest fan of um just like giant 
they tend to put some weird, they tend to think that the, the inside of the bike in between the bottom bracket bearings is like a playground where they can just install new furniture and, and playground <laughs> equipment and stuff like that. So they, that they tend to right. want to do stuff like the foil. They tend, they tend to want to put like a, Oh, well, nobody's using this spot for a one piece bottom bracket. Let's just, let's put a feature in here that almost touches a 24 millimeter spindle. If you try to put it in there, you know what I mean? Like on a Scott foil with the, you know, if, if you're not running DI two on there, if you're running mechanical, uh, you know, they have like an internal obstruction just because of the way they do. Uh, and, and, and of course, um, giant has a lot of bikes like this, that they have the cable guides or, or come up into the bottom bracket area. Yeah. Whereas if you tried to, you know, look through the bottom bracket, area, there's a big hump in there. Mm-hmm. And that's, 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 that would be the Achilles heel of the, of the one piece design bottom bracket is it needs to have an unimpeded unobstructed straight shot sure. through, through the bottom bracket shell or else you're not going to get in there. And it, it, these things don't go around corners where the crap, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it needs to be able to shoot right in there. And then there's these weird features BMC likes to put in there where they just have like a little, they have a, they can get a little messy inside and you need to go in there with a Dremel and, uh, and, and, um, and smooth them out. That really freaks people out. And I that completely understand that, but done that a few times. We've but done there's, a, a few there's times, quite yeah. a few, uh, you know, I'm not <laughs> yeah, they've got like this weird lip in there and I'm yeah, like, what I've, is that for? Yeah. I haven't seen it on any of the models from about 2020 forward. So, um, the last two no no it was a kind of an clean. older bmc yeah it was like a yeah just like, uh, just like giant yeah. yeah yeah just like giant the older tcrs and stuff like that the 2014s 2016 range they were had more they had we had more problems with them and uh, and i'm not sure if the, i mean canyons aren't that way anymore but canyons were like i don't know if giant makes canyons bikes for them but man their bottom brackets construction is really similar. Let me just say huh. that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know who makes their bikes, but if it was giant, if it was giant, I wouldn't be surprised. Gotcha. It's by the way they look. All right, Gary, is there anything else that you want to go through with us that you would like to tell people about or show people or anything that we might have missed during our conversation? No, I think it was great. I hope everybody can, is going to come away with a lot of uh, a lot of understanding uh, about. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of things that has to do with bottom bracket construction and, uh, and the, the basics of design, um, really when it comes down to it, the one piece design, uh, bottom bracket is the only way to go there, you know, that the screw together ones, all of that sort of thing. Um, even ours ones like here that threads in, here's our T 47, the bearings are still in a single housing, right? Yep. So we're able to manage the fit of the bearings and the alignment of the bearings. We're not relying on the frame manufacturer to do that. And that's when you're going to run into all kinds of problems. All right. Because remember these bikes, especially the carbon fiber ones, they're in a mold. Okay. And there's a two half of the bikes and they seem to get seen them together a lot of times, mm-hmm. right? That toward the middle. Right. So, if, so to have perfect alignment through the bottom bracket shell, it, it could easily be off a thou or two or more. And that's all you need in order to uh, start to impinge the bearings and things like that. As you force a spindle through there, and it wants to wants to align the inner races out of phase with the outer races where they're because you know, they're pressed into a you know into the frame, and the inner races are trying to mate to it. So at the end of the day, um, the the one piece bottom bracket we would think should dominate the uh, bottom bracket space going forward. I don't understand why anybody is making anything different right now. Probably should put that right side up so people can read it. <laughs> I don't know why anybody's making anything different right now. I mean, there are, there's, uh, you know, yeah, we have a patent on the one piece design, but I expect, I expect other people to be making it, uh, just because it, it's such a no brainer. And once again, I, I don't understand why 
any manufacturer wouldn't be moving in that direction because it solves all the problems they're trying to solve. Whether you're, whether it's press fit or anything else, it solves the creaking problems. It solves the performance issues. It makes the bearings last a lot longer because when the bearings are not in an advantageous position for their operation, um, they won't last as long because you're you're putting you're putting forces on the bearing in different spots. You're making the you're making the uh, the bearings and having contact in, in unevenly. And um, you know we have bushings in between our races to stabilize the inner race on all of our press fit thirty and dub. Uh, for a reason, and that's to um, that's to prevent fretting on the crank, um, on the crank spindle, which you'll see on the line. I don't have one here right now, but they'll have marks on the crank spindle. That's an indication that the inner races are actually wobbling around a little bit while you're riding, get kind of sticking and coming, coming loose uh, on the uh, on the spindle itself. The inner the bushing in there is what stabilizes the inner races and unitizes them, so that they so the inner races are not trying to move independently, basically inside inside of the uh inside of the bearing itself i hope this is coming through loud and clear it, it is but um yeah but these these design features are at the core of why our performance is what it is and why our durability is what it is because durability goes way beyond just whether or not the bearings are sealed properly that's just part of it that's kind of a misnomer to think that's where the story ends the story is there are is the bearing does it have radial compression on it? If so, that's going to accelerate the wear. Does it? Do, are the inner races stabilized? If not, that could accelerate wear. You know, all of these factors all come together to make a not only a durable product but also a product that performs at a at a very high level. And the reason for that is because when everything is working in harmony, none of these problems are a problem. And that's really what the one piece design is all about. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Matt, Lance, do you guys have any other questions for Gary? I love it. I, I'm I'm just happy to have you on here. I've I've learned a lot about bearings and single units and all that stuff, which I think is good. I, you know, I've been using these uh, bottom brackets for a number of years. The scariest part is um, is installing them when they make noise, when they creak, when you're yeah, the popping noise. There, you yeah. get that popping noise. Yeah, but well, see the popping to... the popping noise is not isn't the frame expanding or any of that kind of stuff. The popping noise is, is generally only going to happen when you, when you've got the retaining compound on there because it's uh, because it's an anaerobic um, retaining compound. So when you start pressing it in, it's excluding the oxygen uh, because the tolerance has become zero, right? I mean, yeah. it's they're, they're tight. So it excludes the oxygen. There's that thin film of the retaining compound in there and that begins to light off immediately. The minute you exclude the oxygen, it starts lighting off. People are all like, oh, let it cure for 24 hours, let it cure, whatever. It is literally curing instantly to an extent hmm. while you're going in. So that's when you put the retaining cup on there and you're putting it in there. You need to make sure the press and everything is ready so that once you start hearing that popping, you can just continue to lay into it and just drive, 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 drive yeah. until it's home. Yeah, until it's home. Um, and that's what's happening. It's lighting off, and as you put more pressure on it, it breaks loose and advances, and it starts to light off again. And then as you put more pressure on it, it breaks loose and advances. That's where that pop, pop, pop sound is coming from. Interesting. Yeah. Right. That's what freaks mm -hmm. people out is the popping sound when you put them in. Yeah. But, yeah. but I'm, I'm Right. Used to that's it now. a good – the popping sound is a good sound. Okay. okay it's a good sound because it means, it means the retaining compound is lighting off, and uh, if it's – Sometimes you get a good retain, you get good retention even when you don't hear that sound. But you really do want to hear that sound at some point, some kind of popping sound, because that's the real indication that you're getting a good tight fit, 
and that you don't have contamination such as kind of like an oil or a grease contamination that's contaminating the retaining compound it would be preventing it from lighting off interesting okay so cool. yeah so if you get it nice here. and clean <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah. I've all been things sold bottom on, bracket. We've got the info. Yeah, I've been sold on bottom brackets with BB Infinite for a long time, as well as the pulleys, and this is just like solidifying that even more. Right. So, right. Cool. Matt, oh, I'm so glad. You know, because I gotta, I gotta go back and watch this after it's all done and see if I'm just babbling the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, yeah. did you have any? No, like I'm gonna listen to it. And I go like, geez, I didn't even answer that guy's question. I just babbled. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is perfect. This is exactly the kind of stuff that I wanted to learn about because, you know, I think the misnomer is that you know. We all know this stuff already or we're born with this knowledge and like the truth is like we all have to figure this out at some point there's still so much more to learn about this stuff like i always hesitate like oh do i make a video about this topic you know i'm not the world's leading expert on it like but at the same time you know the more we can learn about it so that we're not passing on disinformation to people the better so i really really appreciate you taking the time to talk to the group here Oh, that's no problem at all. And don't worry, the trolls will let you know if you <laughs> yes. made a mistake. They do. If you misspoke. <laughs> they always you know, do. At, 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 at 20 minutes and 32 seconds, you say that, you know what I mean? That, <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Yep, yep. All right, my friends. All right, let's jump into one last thing real quick before we uh, shut things down here. Uh, Lance, go. One last thing. Uh, I'm going to race my mountain bike with the BB Infinite bottom bracket in it this uh, weekend, hopefully again, if uh, the course is not snowed out. It might be snowed out. The race is up around Wenatchee. Wenatchee. We're supposed to have good weather on Saturday, aren't we, or no? Yes, we are. But it's leading into that. that it's leading into bad. it. Will, gotcha. the, will the course actually be snow-free? That's what we're hoping. Interesting. Cool. Matt, one last thing. A uh, new video coming out this week. I'll be talking about uh, Garmin product, the Garmin um, 745, which is this watch here. It's a great watch, great option. It's basically a review after having used it for 100 days. And then a whole bunch of more Garmin stuff coming out on my channel. I've got to get to work on the Garmin Enduro. That's their new like ultra running watch with ridiculous battery life and then some other little things to do with Garmin as well. So a whole bunch of Garmin stuff coming down the pipeline before we get back to bike stuff. Nice. Well, I guess Garmin stuff is bike stuff too. I mean, I have bike computers from them to review as well. So, um, but yeah, I got to get away from Garmin at some point. So I'll have to mix it up at some point. Maybe I'll talk. <laughs> no, about no, 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 no. Garmin's great. <laughs> I love Garmin. Garmin's great, but yeah, you got to mix it up. Can't yeah. just do Garmin stuff all the time. Gary, one last thing from you. Can be anything. Uh, I need to get... I need to get you guys some swag. Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't see any BB Infinite hats. I don't see any. I, you yeah. guys aren't representing. Come on, man. I've got yeah, some stuff so we'll, on the uh, shelf. We'll I've together. got some product. Yeah, but yeah, some swag would be fantastic. <laughs> well, we, we, need to, we need to do that. And um, and uh, come check out bbinfinite.com. Uh, our Facebook page is, is very uh, – we're very active on there. Instagram, we're very active. And we need to, we need to be a lot better on YouTube. We're, we're making great strides in that. We kind of neglected the poor on the YouTube channel. And uh, we like to put out a lot of information, a lot of shop information that show installs um, branching out into things that aren't just about our product as well. Um, I like to help people out learning how to you know, do things like bleed their brakes better, uh, using the right, the right fluids, Not like, like what Matt was saying about using the right, um, uh, using the, you know, put, don't put out disinformation, I guess, more than anything. We really just like to help people. Nice. That's very good. Cool. Right my, yep. My one last thing is um, Lance and I are 
Well, I'm kind of. I've been working on it. I think Lance is going to jump in now because he's riding himself a new uh, gravel bike. He's got himself a new BMC Oars. Yes, I am. And I think we're going to be finishing Ooh. up our video hopefully this week before he uh, jets out of town to go do his mountain bike race. Excellent. So should have another review on the the BMC Oars from somebody that's been riding it for just over a year and somebody that's been riding it for about a week. Perfect. That should be a lot of fun. Excellent. Um, Anybody wants to check out BB Infinite, again, go to bbinfinite.com and order yourself some stuff up there. If you're local here, um, we are dealing with BB Infinite all the time. If you need some help getting a set of pulley wheels or a bottom bracket installed, we'd be happy to help you out with that and we'll take good care of you. Um, we do greatly appreciate you coming on with us today, Gary. This has been fantastic. And here we are, uh, what, an hour and a half into this thing. We've just been rambling Again. on about bottom brackets <laughs> and bearings. It's been fantastic, but it's been educational at the same time. I it's love like, it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, like people are like, how long did you talk about that? But it is what it is. So, anytime you want to nerd out talking about bearings, I, uh, it's it's a passion. Believe it or not, they're fascinating. They really are. You don't say so, but um, yeah, you guys can check the video out on YouTube for those of you who are going to be listening to this when it comes out live on Wednesday. Well, I guess it wouldn't be live, but on the podcast on Wednesday, you can go to YouTube, which is uh, dialed. I'm sorry, that's youtube.com forward slash dialcycling. Okay. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have that posted up there. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact us accordingly. Again, everybody, thank you for joining us. Gary, take care. Thank you for your time. Until next time, bye for now.